got it. That ought to be the prayer of everyone in here, especially as we live in these dangerous times, chaotic times, troubling times, times that the Bible described as being so close to the Lord. And if my grandmother were to describe it, she would say, say we are now living in the toenails of time, as she refers to the image of Daniel chapter 2. Order my steps in your word, Lord. Ought to be our prayer. Well done. Glory to God. I too believe that he inhabits praise, and my understanding of inhabits is that he dwells. He's right there dwelling in our praise to him. I want to thank Akisha for inviting me. I'm as nervous as a child going to school on the first day, but I know that God takes over. I ought to be nervous only if I believe I am doing it. But when I know who is doing it for me, no fear. This is not being presumptuous. It is stepping out in faith. Yes. Amen. So, Akisha was a young lady that I uh, studied with, and uh, she was subsequently baptized at Richardson Church. And we remained in contact for a while, and then my phone crashed, and I believe hers did as well, and we lost contact until two weeks ago when she called to ask if I would um, come and speak at the Women's Ministry Day at this church. Amen. I thank God for that opportunity, and I know that by his grace, he, he will lift up his name. Amen. I also, before I go on, want to say it's afternoon, so no time to rush. It's already afternoon. Pastor Paul and his dear wife are in our presence. He has been my pastor for a long time at Richardson. And, uh, and his dear wife and the kids, knowing those kids, some of them before they were even born. And he was also uh, the one who baptized my mom, who's here with me, and my stepdad, who's no longer with us. And then he was also at my stepdad's funeral service. And here he is again today. I said, Pastor Paul, why did you do this to me? The man is a preacher. And uh, he said, I didn't do anything. I'm here to support you. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Thank you, Sister Pet, for being here. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence come, cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. The Lord who made heaven and earth. Let us pray one more time, please. Father in heaven, I ask you now to remove me from this place. Replace me with your son, Jesus Christ. 
May I decrease as he increases today. May you speak through me. May you speak to me. May you speak for me. And may we all be blessed, even as those people were blessed on the day of Pentecost. Pour your spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I want you to reference with me to James chapter 2. I'm going to touch on, Genesis, on, a, on verses 17, 20, and 26. And thereafter, we will go to Joshua chapter 2 and beyond. So that's James 2, verses 17, 20, and 26. Okay. The Scarlet Cord. That's the title of the sermon that the Lord gave me. James 2, 17 reads, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. 20 says, But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? And then 26 says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. We're talking about stepping out in faith. What a title for a time like this. Joseph had served the pharaohs well and he had been allowed to bring his entire family to Egypt. Being shepherds, they were given the land of Goshen as their new residence. As they all aged and died, younger pharaohs who didn't know Joseph or anything about his family grew jealous of the Lord's people and severely mistreated them. They were enslaved and grew far away from God. In fact, I'm sure most of you know that they were asked to make bricks without straw. However, our merciful Father heard their distressed cries and visited Moses, who was tending sheep in the wilderness. That seems to be a drastic change in one's life, doesn't it? At one point, you seem comfortable, and you are flourishing, like the old folks say, and then suddenly you are slaves, and you are asked to do things even that stop you from serving the God you knew. Have you been there? Have you experienced drastic changes in your life? Moses, the adopted grandson of the Pharaoh, was the expected heir to the throne, but all of this changed when he killed and buried an Egyptian whom he saw beating one of his brothers. When this act was made public, Moses fled for his life, and he tended sheep for 40 years in the land of Midian. 
I say running ahead of God. Taking it upon ourselves to make decisions that we were not necessarily given by God. Have you had this experience? This 80-year-old shepherd was now given a new assignment by Jehovah. As spokesman for the I Am, he was to go to Egypt and inform Pharaoh to let his people go. After much resistance and, and, and death of all the firstborn sons of Egypt, the Hebrew children were reluctantly allowed to leave. They faced certain death as they were pursued by Pharaoh and his army. But God, God miraculously parted the Red Sea for his people who passed through on dry land. However, the Egyptians all perished in the waters. I see this as being called out of your comfort zone. Moses was very happy tending sheep out there for 40 years. The only problem he had was the sheep. But now God is uprooting that life of comfort and sending, sending him back from, to the very place from which he ran for his life. Called him out of your comfort zone, of his comfort zone. Have you been there? Has God reached you and called you out of your comfort zone? God continued to lead his people who did nothing else but complain to Moses. A 40-day journey to the promised land resulted in a 40-year maze because of disobedience and unbelief. A faithless report by 10 of the 12 spies sent to spy out Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey, resulted in every one, 20 years and over, wandering and dying in the wilderness. Only Joshua and Caleb were left from the original bunch. Suffering because of disobedience. Is there? Oh boy, so I went forward so many times. It's on. Yeah. It's dead? <laughs> okay, we'll catch up. That's why we depend on this. <laughs> I call that suffering because of disobedience and being stubborn. Because they did not take the word of God, they did not step out in faith, they complained, disobeying God time and time again. That sounds like us, doesn't it? Oh yeah, we are, we, I, I mean we are abundantly blessed and yet out of that abundance we can still find something to complain about. 
and saw the long-suffering God that he still is for us was for them. But it went on and on and on. And finally, God said, look, you said that you don't understand why you have brought us out of slavery when you mourned and groaned to me every day asking for relief. And now that I have allowed you to leave that place, you were saying that I have brought you out of Egypt where you could eat what you liked, when you liked. And now your children are going to die in the wilderness. God said, okay, you've called it. Because of your disobedience, anybody who is 20 or older will not enter into that promised land. What a consequence. But like these people, we do the same thing. Okay? So that was a death sentence on the rebels. Death sentence on the rebels. Now the long promised land is about to be given to the Israelites. Finally, for the second time, and the new servant who is assigned to be the under-shepherd of God's people is no longer Moses because he was one who died before entering into the promised land. The new under-shepherd now is Joshua, one of the two spies who came back with a good report. One of the two spies who had enough faith to say, yes, what y'all are saying is true. There are giants there. We cannot. We look like grasshoppers in their sight. We cannot go in. But the Lord says he has given that to us. So we are going to choose to believe God rather than man. Joshua and Caleb, only two of the spies. So... This was a time now that the question had to be asked because this time, directed by God, Joshua sent two spies to survey the area since Jericho was going to be their first hurdle. I asked the question, are you ready to listen to God now? Were they ready to listen to God? You know, sometimes we can get ourselves in a place where we have disobeyed and turned our backs so many times that we don't know how to find our way back. And we think that we are controlling God rather than him guiding us. Because he doesn't control us. We have been made with a choice, the ability to choose, and he presents Blessings and curses. And he says to you, do what? Choose. Now Jericho was a walled fortress. It was an impregnable, prosperous city. Thank you. It was an impregnable, prosperous city. This was the first city to be 
troops fought and overtaken in the upcoming battle to finally claim God's promise. From a human standpoint, what did I say? A human standpoint, it was an impossible ordeal. A powerful people, great and tall, were ready to defend their place of massive walls and envied security. I'm talking about Jericho. Who could stand before the descendants of Anak? Those people were giants. Trained warriors guarded well this city of idolatry and vice where Ashtaroth, the moon goddess, was worshipped. It was impossible for God's people to take this city, except man was not leading, God was. So in spite of its security, the two spies were able to gain entry, how was that? Into the city. And to be less conspicuous, they made their way to the home of a well-renowned prostitute called Rahab. Have mercy. Rahab's house was snuggled into, snugly nestled into the surrounding walls of the city. These results were not accidental. God was in charge. I said God was in charge. Amen. Conducting and directing these two men to that house. You see, Jehovah knew the heart of the woman who lived there. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Church, as Christians, we know that where God has a plan, the enemy has a counterfeit. Human eyes watched, you know how we do, we can always say who went at the neighbor's house, what they were dressed in, how long they stayed. So human eyes watched and reported to the earthly king who thought to use his power through commands to give up the visitors who had recently stopped by. So they sent people down there to Rahab's house. But like the Egyptian midwives in the days of delivering Israelite babies in the time of the pharaohs, Rahab feared God rather than mortal man. And through fear of man, she lied and later reasoned with the two spies as she navigated their plan of escape. She didn't give them up. This was a prostitute I'm talking about. A woman who was not a good and faithful member of anybody's church. However, before sending them on, her way, on their way, this idolater and prostitute expressed an unbelievable faith in Yahweh. Though not educated in the biblical teachings, Rahab had heard heard how the God of these two spies had led 
protected and kept his people these many years. She knew of the miraculous parting of the Red Sea and the kings who were defeated by the intervention of this same God. She believed in his power. She believed in his power and convinced that he would do the same for Joshua and the Israelites. Rahab stood faithfully and unhesitatingly on their side. She stepped out in faith. She cast her lot with this God-led group. She not only believed, but acted on her belief. Brethren, this is faith. In James 2.25, Rahab's name is specifically mentioned as one whose belief was coupled with works. For faith without works is? Firm conviction in Joshua's God led Rahab to negotiate with the spies. And you can pick up that story in Joshua too. Looking beyond the moment of hiding them, she envisioned life for herself and her family. She knew and embraced that the God of heaven and earth was indeed the only true God and he could protect and deliver them. Are you as convinced about the God that you serve? That he is the only true God? That he is the only God? And you can rely upon him? God spoke through the spies and they promised to deal kindly with Rahab and her family in exchange for her kindness to them. Can people depend upon you? Can people depend upon you? This woman negotiated for her life. Think about it. If you were in the place of Rahab, would those spies have been able to trust you? How do people see you as a Christian, and more so as a Seventh-day Adventist Christian? Are you dependable? When you give your word, can they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that is what would happen? A bond was made. Explicit directions were given by those spies. The reward of Rahab's silence and the promise of the spies was only possible if total compliance resulted. Total compliance. Rahab was to follow the spies' instructions without any deviation. Safety was guaranteed only on three conditions. According to Joshua 2, 17 to 20, Bank screen. First condition, she was to tie a scarlet cord in the same window. 
through which she would let the men down to escape their pursuers. The same window, not any window, the same window. How many times were we in situations and we behaved like Naaman? You know the story of Naaman? Naaman was what? A leper. And he was asked to go wash in some rivers. And he felt insulted by that request. And so he was told to, to dip in these rivers how many times? Seven times. But when he was finally convinced to dip, he went down the first time and came up expecting to find what? That he was clean. His body was clean. He was healed. Did he find that? Two times he went down and he came up looking. What happened? Same thing, no change. Three times, four times, five times, six times he still thought that he would be healed. But it was only when he obeyed and went down for the seventh time. How often are we asked by this same God to do something explicitly, intentionally, deliberately, and we choose to direct God rather than allow God to direct us. And so that scarlet cord had to be tied in the same window that those men would be let down to escape their pursuers. Secondly, Rahab's family members must all be under the same roof, her roof. Any change would free the men of the commitment to spare their lives. You remember when the death angel passed through Egypt, the Israelites were given certain commands. One was that the, all the family had to be where? In the house, on the inside. And they had to put what around the, the, the doorpost? If they had decided that the family members were going to stand outside to see and watch. And instead of putting the blood on the doorpost, they'd put it on the windows. What would have happened? They would have suffered the same penalty as the Egyptians did. How often we are like these folk who want to control God and his workings rather than allow him to guide us. Remember, I said God does not control. And lastly, everything that they discussed, the spies and Rahab was to be top secret. All lips were to be sealed. No tongue wagging was allowed. Would we have passed that test? Talk to me. Would we have passed that test? Would we have passed that test? We go to board meetings those who are in privileged positions to do so. And while we are at the board meeting, we are texting out stuff that is being discussed, that is to be held in confidence. We cause so much trouble in God's house because our tongues just wag. I am talking about God's people. Remember, Stepping out in faith is our topic. 
I can only imagine Rahab's thoughts and the thoughts of the other idolaters who lived in Jericho when God decided that he was going to show up and show them his power. And so as God parted the waters of the Jordan, allowing all Israel to cross over on dry ground, they must have been amazed. That's Joshua 3.8. And the next one coming, this, is, this was the command. God can do anything. You shall command the priest to bear the ark of the covenant, saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan, not outside, in, stepping out in faith. And when that happened, so it was that when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, listen, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. So that was a time when the banks would have been overflown. That the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zeratan. So the waters that went down into the Sea of the Arabic, the salt sea failed and were cut off and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood firm on what? Dry ground. A place that was supposed to be filled with water. In the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. That's the power of God. So there are witnessing this. And I could imagine their thoughts. Who is this God? And what about God's people as they marched around the city once for six consecutive days in silence? They must have been saying, what madness is this? These people are just walking around. Not a peep squeak. Would you have passed that test? Okay. For six days. And then, on the seventh day, they shouted, only upon direction from Joshua. Rahab knew. Rahab knew that Jehovah was above all gods. The spirit of prophecy in Patriarchs and Prophets 491 to 492 state that the inhabitants of Jericho also knew of the overthrow of other heathen kings and the opening of the Red Sea. There were many who shared Rahab's conviction, though they refused to obey it. They knew about it, but they chose not to obey. How different are we? How many things do we know? And yet we make our own decisions contrary to God's word, thinking that God would understand. 
This feat was also for God's people. This was not just for the idolaters in Jericho. It was also for God's people. It was also for the church. The very plan of continuing this ceremony through so long a time prior to the final overthrow of the walls afforded opportunity for the development of faith among the Israelites, God's people. How many days did they walk around? Seven days. And this afforded the Israelites to develop some faith in God. It was to be impressed upon their minds that their strength was not in the wisdom of man, nor in his might, but only in the God of their salvation. They were thus to become accustomed to relying wholly upon their divine leader. Sometimes, you know, we are put in certain straitened circumstances so that God can prove to us who he is, so that God can do some work on our faith to get us to believe him and trust him, because in so doing, we obey him, okay? Have you put your complete trust in Jehovah? Do you rely on and seek his guidance in every situation? Or do you turn to your friends, family, and spiritual advisors? Are you complainers as the Hebrews were? Think about it. I want to share with you a few things about this woman called Rahab. First, Rahab did not allow who she was to prevent her from making herself an available vessel to be used by God. How's your past? I don't know anything about you. I was just invited here. Okay? But we all have a past. Are you allowing your past to deprive you or prevent you of being a person whom God can use now? Are you allowing your past to bury you under its experiences? Number two, Rahab's confession of God's might and power was unsolicited. Nobody twisted her arm, and she chose life over certain death by acting on her faith. She was a risk taker. Her fear of or faith in God determined her destiny. She was willing to take a chance on God because she had seen what God had done for his people. Have you not a testimony? Have you not heard your mother's testimony or your grandmother's testimony or somebody get up here and give a testimony whereby you can say, that's the person I can trust in, God. Rahab was willing to do that. Three, Rahab unselfishly negotiated for safety of herself and her family. She didn't leave her family out. 
She felt that this God that could save her could also take care of her family. When we pray, talk to me. When we pray, what is our prayer all about? Me, myself, and I. We don't even take the time to thank God. It's all about what I want. I forget that I have family members, biological family. I forget that I have church family. I forget that I have family at work. We're all God's children. When was the last time you prayed for somebody else than yourself? Four, winding up. Rahab understood specifics and explicitly demonstrated these traits in obedience. She understood what she had to do in order to be saved, and she followed a tailor-made script. Do this, this, this. We too follow some tailor-made scripts by checking off. You know, we, we, I'm at church, check. I go there every week, check. I'm supposed to do this check. We check, all right. But we do not allow the Holy Spirit to convict and convince us enough that our lives are transformed and we reflect the heart of God. We're just busy checking. Church doors open every Wednesday, I'm there, check. Sabbath, I'm first at church, check. I've been the head deacon for 12 years, check. But our lives do not demonstrate the power of God in them. Rahab's family five were convinced by her and were all in the place of safety. She was a witness to her belief in God. Can God call you a witness? You, 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 you. Can God say, have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered my servant Rahab? Can he say that about you? Can he say that about me? When God looked on Rahab, he didn't see a prostitute from Jericho. He saw a brave woman who recognized God's omnipotence. God saw a risk taker and a woman who honored her word. God chose her when she was a pagan prostitute. She didn't wait until she was born again and sanctified. She wasn't a ministry leader or a great preacher. Rahab was simply a woman who wanted a better life and grasped the opportunity when God opened her eyes and heart. Her name is one of the only names given in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 31. The Hall of Fame chapter records Rahab as a woman of faith. Matthew 1, 5 to 15, read or show us that our Savior Jesus Christ, our Messiah, came through the lineage of Rahab, a woman who dared to step out in faith. God will do great things for those who trust in him. The reason why his professed people have no greater strength 
is that they trust so much to their own wisdom and do not give the Lord an opportunity to reveal his power in their behalf. He will, his power, sorry, in their behalf. He will help his believing children in every emergency if they will place their entire confidence on him and faithfully obey him. I said he will help in every emergency if we will place our entire confidence in him and faithfully obey him. So church, are we ready to allow God to use us like he did Rahab? Think about it. Will we listen to his voice and stand for him even if we are the only one standing? Will we recommit our lives today as we witness the times revealing that the end is near? Some of you might say, oh, my grandmother used to say that, my great grandmother, and yes. But I'm telling you that when they were saying that, we were not seeing the things that we are seeing now. Nobody has an answer. Everywhere, it is raining where it should not be, snowing where it should not be. We are burning up up here in Texas. I am from Barbados, so I know what sun is like. But I'm telling you, that thing is like a torch on your body. These things were prophesied. We don't know what to do. I don't care which politician wins the government. He, that person is not going to know either. Just read our Bibles and we will see the time that we're in. So I challenge you today to dare to be a, a Rahab, dare to stand alone. Soon and very soon, we will have to stand for God's seal or the enemy's mark. What will it be, brethren? The scarlet cord was a symbol of faith one of deliverance and ultimately salvation. This occurred not only for Rahab and her family, but for all those who have accepted the gift of eternal life through the blood of Jesus' sacrifice. So listen, people. God hates sin, but oh, how he loves the sinner. He cares for all people, even the prostitutes. He offered pardon to Rahab, and he still offers pardon today. It matters not what our past lives have been. God is especially interested in all who will give him a place in their hearts. Today, he stands at the doors of your hearts, and he knocks. Like he has been for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. And he says, today he stands at the doors again, and he continues to knock. And he says, if you hear my voice, harden not your hearts. Today I ask you, will you open for our Lord as Rahab did and let him in? If you are ready to step out in faith, if you are ready to tie that scarlet cord at your window, will you stand as an indication to God
that you are willing from this day forth to make a change in your life. Pastor Paul, would you come and pray for? You know I was going to call you. Wasn't that a tremendous message? Yeah. That was a tremendous message. Thank you, Pastor. I'm going to take it a step further. If there's someone who wants to really renew your relationship, you know that in this sermon, God was speaking specifically to you that somehow you were able to identify with the characters that she brought to life. I'm gonna ask you to step out of your seat and meet me at the front and we're gonna have special prayer. Amen. Would you do that? God doing something in your life you have to know that you didn't come here by accident and you also have to know that when two or three are gathered together there is God in the midst so even if you didn't expect God to do something he's done something already and he's doing something if that's you he's speaking to just slip down and meet me at the front God bless you God bless you. We'll wait just a couple more moments. Just meet me at the front. We're going to have special prayer. Slip out of your seat. As the Spirit moves you, maybe you got to prognosis from the doctor doesn't sound good maybe you just don't feel right you know something needs to change something has to be broken something has to be remade in your life God has been speaking to you slip out of your seat join me at the front our heads are bowed our eyes are closed if you need to come just come just come. Heavenly Father, we, we just want to thank you for the message we've heard. We want to thank you for its plainness, for the truth contained therein. We want to thank you, Heavenly Father, that we heard that God accepts those who are considered, even in our culture and society, unacceptable. God forgives what we believe is unforgivable. God trusts those who are, in our opinions, untrustworthy. God receives those who should not be received. God loves the unlovable. God touches the untouchable. God blesses those who shouldn't be, in our minds, blessed again. God gives a second chance. God is a God of renewal and new things and blessing. God is a God of love and acceptance. So Lord, as we are gathered here together as a group, and your spirit is here with us, 
We ask not that you would bless us because you've already done that, but we ask that you would change us. We ask that you would renew us. We ask that you would strengthen us. I want to speak and pray to you, Lord, specifically for those who slipped out of their seats and came to the front. You know why they came. Heavenly Father, because of your knowledge of all things, we ask for you to move into the very recesses of their life, into the private areas and arenas of their heart, and to bring healing. And Heavenly Father, to bring forgiveness where it is necessary. But also, Lord, give them the assurance of your peace and your presence and your comfort in their lives from this day forward until you come. Heavenly Father, we want to see the blessings of you, the Lord, in our life. But Lord, we want to live. We want to live. We want to outlast this planet that is broken. And we want to eventually live with you for all eternity. So Lord, we ask today for our lives. We pray for our lives. And Heavenly Father, we also pray that any force that is being used against us. And we know it's real that those agencies that are active in our lives for our downfall, that you would cause them to cease to be and remove them from our lives. Those sins that easily just we fall into them every time, even though we pray on our knees and ask for forgiveness. Lord, we're asking that you would give us a breakthrough and help us. Help us to become the people that you want us to be. Lord, we pray for those who may have broken bodies, who don't know what to do. You are the great physician. Lord, you can heal all things. And we ask that you bring healing to individuals in this church in our presence now and even online. We ask that you bring that healing. And Lord, we know that you can use modern science, but we know that you are a miracle-working God also. Lord, we know that you can use the health message, but you are a miracle-working God also. So, Lord, whatever you want to use, please use it and bring life and strength back into our bodies. Heal us and bless us. Forgive us. And Heavenly Father, when it is all said and done, cover us in that innocent shed blood of Jesus. Like that scarlet cord. Let that be our guarantee so that there will be nothing undone in our lives. And when you return, you will reward us accordingly as you see fit. We lay all things in your hands now. We give you all things in our lives. We surrender everything that we have and everything that we are. And ask for you to do these things, not because we deserve it, but because you are a good God. You are a loving God. You are an embracing God. So embrace us now. Love on us now, forgive us now, and forevermore in the name of the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, let the church say, Amen, amen and amen. God bless you.